Hello, and welcome to Cross the Line, a Christian perspective on politics. If you enjoy this episode, find us online at thecitizensbrief.com. Give us a follow on Instagram and a like on Facebook at The Citizens Brief to see more insightful Christian political content in your feed. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this episode of Cross the Line. Now to your host, Daniel Hostetter. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Citizens Brief. We are a nonpartisan political daily newsletter uh, that we send out every day to your inbox by 6.45 a.m. Uh, we covered everything from Congress to the White House to the courts to foreign policy uh, to things like the Iran uh, stuff right now or the Australian bushfires. Uh, we also have another publication called the Consumers Brief, which covers cultural issues such as uh, sports or weather or uh, pop culture or different things like that. And then we also have this podcast, uh, which was just released a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to my awesome interview with um, Congressman John Joyce from PA13, uh, he's really an incredible guy and it was a great opportunity to be able to interview a congressman uh, in person. So today, uh, what, we, what we really want to talk about is the state of the race, the state of the Democratic uh, presidential race. We all know that President Trump has all but wrapped up the uh, Republican nomination already as he's at 90 or 95 percent. Uh, support from them, which is pretty incredible. Uh, but on the Democratic side, it is really competitive. So we just kind of wanted to do a quick analysis of the uh, 12 candidates still remaining and do kind of a top 10 list in the order that I think uh, have a chance at the nomination. Um, so tomorrow is also the Democratic debate for January, which will be on CNN. I think I'm not sure where else, uh, but it should be a really interesting debate. The candidates for that are going to be Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, and Tom Steyer. So that's six candidates remaining on the debate stage. So let's get down to it. Uh, the first two candidates that I want to talk about aren't on my top ten list, but they are still in the race technically. Uh, John Delaney, who's a congressman from Maryland, and Deval Patrick, who was the former governor of Massachusetts. Uh, Deval Patrick was very popular in Massachusetts, um, but he really hasn't gained any ground. He entered the race very late, and he really hasn't done anything since then. He's done a little bit of... Um, going around and talking to people, but it really hasn't been anything that's made a stir nationally. His only chance really is with black voters in a state like South Carolina, but he doesn't seem to have enough pool among them even to make any noise. Uh, the other one is John Delaney, congressman from Maryland. He was actually the first one to declare for the for the race back in 2017, uh, and he's really been working hard to um, go, go out and talk to people on the trail, but he really hasn't gained any ground either. Uh, he's been on the debate stage a few times early on, but I don't think he's been on since June. So he probably won't be in the race for too much longer. But he has shown to be sustainable as, as of thus far. So he may stay in for longer than we think. All right, to our top 10 list. So I'm going to start from the 10th and go to the first. So the 10th person is Michael Bennett, uh, the senator from Colorado. He was pretty quiet. People didn't really know about him until um, last year during the government shut, shutdown. He uh, came onto the Senate floor and delivered a really fiery speech uh, in opposition to Ted Cruz, um, called out supposed hypocrisy there, and from there he kind of became nationally known. Not long after that, he declared his um, candidacy for the White House. Uh, he actually had cancer, uh, surgery for cancer, just a couple weeks ago, but he seems to be doing really well. Um, so polling-wise, he's been polling pretty low, uh, 1% to 2%, and he has been on the debate stage since June. He hasn't reached the polling requirements or the fundraising requirements. And right now he's operating on a shoestring budget. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think he got in about $5 million this past quarter, so he hasn't been able to do much. He's really had a skeleton staff, and he's been relying on them. 
but he has shown to have a really sustainable campaign. He's been um, pretty sustainable as of thus far. He's really focusing on New Hampshire, and he wants to pull an upset there. Tulsi Gabbard is number nine. She's an anti-war congressman from Hawaii, um, and she was actually a veteran. Uh, she fought in a war over in the Middle East uh, with the National Guard. And she's actually pretty moderate on many positions. Uh, she's really popular with a lot of Republicans and independents, but she's very, as a result, she's very unpopular with, with many progressives. She actually voted president, present on the impeachment vote, uh, which was major uh, because she basically signaled that she was not a fan of the partisan impeachment process, but also that um, she did not she did not support the president and she thought he did a wrongdoing. So it was a very interesting vote coming from a Democrat, especially a presidential candidate, when everyone else is in such staunch opposition to Trump. Uh, her campaign has kind of gone stagnant, but she's still pressing really hard in states like New Hampshire and Iowa. Number eight is Tom Steyer. He's a liberal donor turned candidate. Uh, he's paid so much of his own money. He's uh, Again, he's a donor, so he has a lot of money. He's paid so much of his own money to do TV ads across the country. I've seen many of them here in Pennsylvania. Uh, and he really has kind of bought his way onto the debate stage as a late entry. To be honest, like, does anyone know who he is or does he know what his pol policy positions are? Like, I, I really don't think he's a sustainable candidate as well. Um, I don't think he'll last very long with uh, such low name recognition. And um, people really don't know who he is. So I don't think his campaign's going to work out very well. Number seven is Andrew Yang. Uh, this is a much more of a positive candidate. Uh, he's just a fun guy to watch. He's really sneaking up into the top tier. He's been pulling 5th or 6th annually, uh, around 5% or so. Uh, he's kind of started this national trend, hashtag Yang Gang. Um, I've been really intrigued by him personally, especially his radical policy ideas such as UBI. Um, it's, it's been intriguing to see how he's kind of transcended party lines, even though he's done a lot of Democratic things. Uh, he's been trying to work across the aisle, which has uh, been encouraging. Being on podcasts with Joe Rogan and people like that has really... Uh, throw him into the top tier candidates. He actually just missed tomorrow's debates. He got the um, the fundraising requirements, but he didn't get enough polls. He only got one. Uh, there's been less and less polls, so it's been uh, hard to come by for him. And he's really relied on small dollar fundraising from especially young people. Um, and so he's the top small dollar fundraiser in the race, which will be an interesting th thing to watch. He could uh, surprise some people in a couple states and maybe make a play for the nomination. Or uh, He'll definitely be a player in Democratic politics for years to come. Uh, number six is Michael Bloomberg. He's kind of like a, a uh, Tom Steyer candidate. He's, again, bought his way into the race, ninth uh, richest person in the country, former mayor of New York City, and he's totally self-funded. So that means he doesn't make the debates. So I really don't think he can win without getting debate exposure, but he has really good na name recognition. Uh, a lot of people know who he is and know what he's done over the years. Uh, he's been running television commercials all over the country. I've seen them like every time I've watched television. So he is putting a lot of money into this race, and I think he could potentially have a, doc a dark horse run. Uh, if he stays in the race long enough, he could steal some votes from people like Joe Biden and uh, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, number five is Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he's been polling very high in Iowa, like 25%. So it seems like he might have the best chance to win in Iowa, and normally that translates into um, really good results in the rest of the country. But uh, he's a young, hip, gay veteran. Uh, he kind of seems like the perfect candidate for the Democratic Party. He's been cautiously moderate on a lot of uh, policies, uh, which is interesting. He sparred with Warren over health care uh, a lot recently, and especially over uh, his past corporate work. But he basically has no support from young voters, African-Americans, or Hispanics. Um, so that's really going to hurt him. I, I don't see him winning in places like South Carolina. I, I could see him being 7th or 8th um, in the South, especially, and even in the West uh, with some of these young voters. And without that, without that African-American vote, I 
really don't see him winning the nomination. Again, I, I think he's a long shot, but he's been on the rise. And um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Number four is Amy Klobuchar. Um, this might actually be kind of a controversial pick for uh, to put Klobuchar over Buttigieg. Uh, she's, a Mo- she's a Minnesota senator. She actually, when she was reelected in 2018, she got 60% of the vote, which was a good bit more than um, Hillary Clinton got. So that means she's very popular in her state in the Midwest. She's done a lot of good things um, out there. She's kind of seen as a moderate alternative to a person like Joe Biden uh, for people who don't like him. She's really impressed during the debates. Um, I've I've rated her as the top debate person, I think, the last three debates. She has really done well and performed well. Uh, really hasn't made any big mistakes. Uh, she's been solid. She's really popular in the Midwest, as I said. Minnesota, Iowa, places like that. I could see her pulling off a win in Iowa, an upset win there. Uh, she's popular, with, especially with, I guess, people you could call JFK Democrats. Um, she's really popular in the manufacturing sector and workers. I could even see her, if she doesn't win the nomination, I could see her as a vice presidential candidate for someone like Biden or Warren. Uh, she's... She's done a lot of really good things, and I think she's making a lot of really good progress. Number three, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is a senator from Massachusetts. Uh, she's kind of portrayed herself as a populist progressive. She's jumped in the top tier candidates over the past few months. Uh, she kind of started off on the wrong foot uh, with her Native American DNA test, claiming to be Native American, but that fell flat as she has less Native American DNA than most of the country. Um, but, and again, she portrays herself as a populist progressive, but some leftists, a lot of leftists actually, don't think that she is progressive enough. They see her ties to Wall Street and her past consulting work uh, for corporations as proof that she is not a true progressive. And so there's a lot of caution coming from that angle. Um, so can she really be trusted? She's kind of avoided the truth on things like the Native American issue, and she's, she's lied about um, being fired when she, was, when she was pregnant and stuff like that. So can she be trusted by voters? I really don't know at this point. Uh, she hasn't been attacked too much during the debates. She's kind of stayed out of things. She has been attack- starting to attack people like Pete Buttigieg, uh, the whole wine cave thing, last debate. Um, and again, I, I really, I could see her winning the nomination. She has a lot of popularity across the country, especially grassroots. She takes time after, after um, her rallies to talk to people for hours, and I think that is something that people really value. Um, Again, she's older, so age could be an issue, but she's, that doesn't seem to be a problem for her. I could see her being a vice presidential candidate for someone like Bernie or Biden if she doesn't um, win the nomination. Number two, Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders, uh, he ran in 2016. He was kind of a long shot at first, but he stayed in the race, and he ended up being the main competition to Hillary Clinton. Some people thought that he might be able to win it at the end there, uh, but he didn't end up getting enough voter or delegate support. But he really was instrumental. He was the person who pushed the Democratic Party left over the past, I would say, six or eight years. Uh, he started to institute policy ideas that nobody was really pushing for. And now people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren uh, and other progressives are really jumping on board with. And progressive activists around the country have really um, have really liked him. And he's done a lot of really good things for them. Um and he's definitely popular with, with uh, younger voters. He kind of had the Bernie bros thing going for him in 2016. But his vote, again, is split by progressives like Warren. I could see Elizabeth Warren taking a lot of votes from Bernie Sanders. Um, they're polling about the same now, depending on the poll. Um, but I really do see Bernie as a more viable candidate than Elizabeth Warren. He is. I, I, I feel like he has a lot more experience um, on, on the bigger stage. And he's he's been in the Senate for forever. Uh, but his independent ties, I mean, he, he doesn't identify as a Democrat. So 
he's independent. So that could be a potential issue, but it didn't seem like it was in 2016. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, for him, again, he's 77 years old. So age and health could be an issue. He just had some hard problems. So do progressive voters want someone younger? I really could see them picking someone like, even like Pete Buttigieg or Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, who's about the same age, but she seems younger. Now on to number one, the one you've, you've all been waiting for. And that is Joseph R. Biden. He's been the top dog since he entered the race, uh, really, from even before he was speculating running for the presidency. Uh, he was polling way above basically everyone else. He has major name recognition from his time as being vice president un uh, under Obama, uh, and he was senator from Delaware before that for years. Uh, and voters really are comfortable with him, especially a lot of older voters uh, that know him from, from that time. Uh, I guess the one question that I would have for him is, that, is he too linked to Obama? Because even though Obama was basically the Democratic Party darling in um, 2014 to, uh, well, whenever he was elected, 2008 to um, when Trump was elected, over the past two or three years, um, he's kind of fallen out of favor, which is really interesting uh, with Democrats. The uh, De Democratic Party has really gone left, and I think that's a very interesting indicator is how they feel about Obama. Uh, so is he too linked to Obama? Does he support Obamacare too much? Because uh, a lot of other... Uh, candidates have supported Medicare for All and things like that, which he's slightly suspicious of. So is he too linked to Obama? And the other question is, is he too old? Um, his his stutter was on is has definitely been on display during the debates, and even though that's something uh, not related to age, uh, voters kind of can be put off by that, and his age is concerning. Uh, he's, he's getting older. He'll be over 80. So I could see him as a president who could commit to um, just doing one term, and I think voters would really like that. Um, He's also talked about going across the aisle to pick a vice presidential candidate. Um, I think he had he had considered um, Joe Lieberman, uh, people like that, um, in the in, in past times. So I I could see him doing that. Uh, he would have to find the right person, and I don't think there's the right person right now as we're becoming more partisan. But I think Joe Biden definitely has the best chance to win the nomination. He's drawn support from African American voters, Hispanics, uh, young people, old people, really support across the um, or across the spectrum, and I could see him. Getting the, getting the win uh, solidly. I think in the end, it really will come down to Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. I think Elizabeth Warren or Klobuchar or Buttigieg could potentially make a play uh, depending on how Super Tuesday goes and really especially how Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina goes. I think those will be the best tellers of who's going to stay in the race and who's not. Uh, but it will definitely be a very interesting uh, primary and really whoever I think goes up against Donald Trump would have a good chance against him. Um, but I really could see Trump pulling out... Um, really despite what happens with the impeachment process. I really think that he could win. Um, but we'll see. I could see Joe Biden maybe uh, pulling some Democratic voters over, or some, some Republican voters over uh, to vote for him, despite his controversial stances on the Hyde Amendment and abortion and uh, stuff like that. Uh, but with Bernie Sanders, I really think Trump could win, even with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. And, yeah, we'll get back to it tomorrow, hopefully, with a quick analysis on the debate. Adios.